2: enjoy a tall cool dude i grew up like most kids worried i couldn't bench two plates that i wouldn't fit in that i wouldn't find love then i discovered partying and suddenly all those worries went to the wayside i didn't need love i had keg stands i discovered i was great at raging and it revealed wonderful things about myself i could relate to bros regardless of what kind of bro they were I could be at a party and moon people, and everyone would laugh. You know, be witty. Or I could play beer pong and compete with real integrity. In short, I fulfilled my potential.
0: The Nightcap on WGR Sports Radio five fifty.
1: What is up, everybody? It's the Nightcap here on WGR. Jody DiBiase here for the next hour. Looking for your calls at eight zero three zero five fifty. I will not be here tomorrow, so second to last chance you'll get to hear me before Bills and 49ers on Monday Night Football. Uh, I'll be around on Monday, but this game is quickly approaching, and the NFL weekend is quickly approaching. It actually feels kind of strange that we had a game from week 11 uh, end, or week 12 end yesterday. And then today is Thursday, and the whole week is thrown off. I mean, it feels like a Tuesday to me. I don't even know. what I don't know what day of the week it is. NFL-wise, everything is screwed up. There's no Thursday night football tonight. That was originally going to be Baltimore. They are now playing next Tuesday night after playing yesterday on a Wednesday. Everything's screwed up. Steelers are playing now on Monday before the Bills game uh, against San Francisco. So a lot going on. Nothing going on tonight NFL-wise. Sunday, of course, you have your normal slate of games, Sunday Night Football, a couple of games on Monday, and then a Tuesday night game as well. And the Bills will be on Monday night, San Francisco. I am questioning how big this game is in terms of a measuring stick game. It's a term that gets thrown around a lot, and it's a term that we've thrown around a lot this season for the Bills. And it's been, has it been a little bit? Since we arrived at measuring stick game, Kansas City was that. Maybe even the Titans before. The Seahawks, certainly. We were going into that Seattle game being like, all right, we're trying to figure out if this is a great football team. Then they put 44 on the board and beat Russell Wilson and the Seahawks in a high-scoring affair. And it was like, all right, this team's arrived. And then the Arizona game, there was a little bit of that as well. The Chargers were not. And I'm not sure San Francisco is either. I almost want to look ahead to Pittsburgh already. Pittsburgh is the most interesting team in the league. They are 11-0, and nobody thinks they're great. Nobody thinks they're great. And that's a tough spot for me personally to be in because I do have some inherent bias with the Steelers. Right up front, I, in our Radio.com expert pickums that we did before the season, our season predictions... I was the only person in all of the Radio.com predictions that picked the Steelers to win the Super Bowl. So I was coming into the season inherently thinking they were a great team. They're an elite team. They are right there with the Chiefs on the top of the conference. Now my reasoning for that with the Steelers was that last season they were a team that was right in it to the end. They were playing the Bills late in the season on Sunday night football, and there were playoff implications. They nearly made the postseason with a combination of Devlin Hodges and Mason Rudolph, the worst quarterback combo in the league last season. They had the worst quarterback play in football, and they almost made the playoffs because of everything else. The defense being elite, a good ground game, good wide receivers, everything around the quarterback was good to very good. And even with awful quarterback play, they almost made it. This year, back comes Ben Roethlisberger, off an elbow injury. And you didn't even need him, and he's proving it right now. The Steelers did not need Roethlisberger to be a Hall of Fame level of quarterback. To be one of the top teams in football. He's, you know, he's on pace for over 4,000 yards and he's on pace for 30 plus touchdowns. He currently sits with 25 touchdowns and six interceptions. He's averaging over 250 yards passing per game. They've got a great rookie wide receiver in Chase Claypool, who has emerged from being a second round pick that. Usually that's a crapshoot when you're picking guys in that round, and he just showed up, and how if Justin Jefferson and other receivers in this class weren't setting the world on fire, making you realize this is a historic draft class, Chase Claypool might already be a star player in the league, but he's almost flown under the radar because of all the other rookies. He's been great. They still got Juju Smith-Schuster. Deontay Johnson is a, maybe the best of the three, and he maybe gets the least limelight. The offense is middle of the pack. Total offense, they are below average. Passing offense, they're right down the middle in terms of yardage per game. They're 16th in the league, right in the middle. Now, some of that might be game script. They've been up in a lot of their games. When you're 11-0, pass attempt-wise, you are generally not throwing the football with enough volume to be right at the top of the league. Now, you'll have... Your most efficient passing offense is at the top of the league. The Chargers are, or I'm sorry, the Chiefs are first in the league in passing yards per game. The Seahawks are fourth. The Packers are sixth. The Bills are seventh. You've got, those those are your top passing offenses. You've got other teams there. The other teams at the top generally are bad teams that are playing from behind a lot that have really good quarterbacks. The Chargers are number two with Justin Herbert. The Texans are number three with Deshaun Watson. The Falcons are fifth with Matt Ryan. The Cowboys, by the way, are ninth. They're in the top ten. They're awful. Teams that play from behind a lot generally are near the top in terms of sheer volume. All that to say, the Steelers are middle of the pack in terms of their production, but they are an above-average passing offense in the league. And that coupled with one of the best defenses in football, they're a great team. I think right now, if you don't think they're the biggest threat or at least on the same level as the Bills and the Titans as threats to the Chiefs in this conference, you are kidding yourself. And I think most people do reside in that group. Cuz th- what's what's the most popular opinion, the most popular stance? On the Steelers right now. It's that, yeah, they're 11-0, but it's because of their schedule. And I do think that inflates, to some extent, their current reputation in the league. They are not better than the Chiefs. I do not think they are better than the Chiefs. I don't think anyone, most people, would not tell you that they are better than the Chiefs. Maybe even at Pittsburgh, I'm sure they wouldn't tell you that. But they are right there after And I don't have any issue with someone saying that they are a better team than the Bills, who have been tested a lot more this season, including this upcoming week against the 49ers. That is not an easy game. That line is down to the Bills only being favored by one and a half. That line has moved. A lot of the money is coming in on San Francisco. They have injury problems, yes. They are missing their starting quarterback, yes. But... Kyle Shanahan and the leftover pieces there, they still find themselves in a playoff hunt and playing relatively well as of late. We'll get to the Steelers next week. I can't wait to talk about the Steelers more next week because they are so fascinating and that nobody is talking about them going 16-0. Everybody is talking about them being lucky to be 11-0 and trying to figure out if they're even better than teams like the Bills and the Titans. Now, they did beat the Titans. It's their best win of the season at Tennessee. It's a better win than anything the Bills have, I think, even over Seattle and the Rams at home. But we'll talk more about them next week. That game is on the docket. Bills and Steelers, I mean, that is going to tell you a lot. I think that game is for a national audience. All right, who is Kansas City's biggest threat coming up in these playoffs? That game next week, to me, will be for that. Tennessee is in that conversation as well, but I think Josh Allen, Ben Roethlisberger, they're going to go out on the field next Sunday night, and that's what that game is going to be for. This week, with the San Francisco 49ers, Nick Mullins, a quarterback. I do think it is, it, it, to some level, it's a measuring stick game. Because if the Bills are going to graduate from a really like a good team that like a playoff team they should win their division to all right is this really a Super Bowl contender because what Super Bowl contenders do is they'll go on the road and this is a game a type of win that was just a completely foreign idea to the Bills for 20 years the idea of winning tough road games even to this level i mean the niners i'm giving them a lot of credit for being You know, a challenge on Monday night. They have a losing record. So, don't let me overstate it too much. They have a losing record. But it's a type of game that a win in that situation, completely foreign. The Bills just didn't do it. 2017, right when Sean McDermott gets here, the Bills beat the Falcons early in the season on the road in Atlanta when Atlanta was still thought of as a pretty darn good team. And, I mean, they were... I remember going into that game and coming out of it. And it was being talked about as, this is a type of road win we just haven't seen in forever. Before that game, when was the last time the Bills beat a good team, or even an arguably good team, on the road? They just never, ever did it. And since, you've got a bunch of them on the board. And this game on Monday night, that's a game you should win. That's a game that if you really are a Super Bowl contender, you'll go in there and you will control that game from beginning to end. Why? Because your roster top to bottom is better than what they're going to throw on the field. I think when they're completely healthy, you know, now we can then we can have a conversation, especially with George Kittle in the lineup, who is to me their best player on either side of the football. But with all the injuries they got, can't do it. You're a better team. Top-to-bottom roster-wise, the Bills are a better team. And it's not like they are a pushover, even though they have an undrafted kid in there, a quarterback, who, by the way, is maybe not worse than Jimmy Garoppolo. So the quarterback, to me, is almost not even different. There's still enough there where this game on Monday night is still telling to what the Bills are for the rest of the season. And... It does also matter to the standings. I don't know how many fans out there are really paying attention to the AFC, race, AFC East race, but it seems like not much. is that strange? And That really tells us what we all think of the Dolphins, though, doesn't it? <laughs> that the Dolphins are one game back. The Bills are on the verge of winning their first division in 25 years, and I feel like nobody's nervous about it at all. And that includes myself. I'm not nervous about it. I have definitely cooled on Miami. I thought there was a possibility two, three weeks ago that there really was something there. That it wasn't a fluke, what they had just done to the Cardinals and to the Rams. But you lose to the Denver Broncos, and it's, it, it, with, even with Drew Locke and not Kendall Hinton, a quarterback. And it's hard to think that, it's hard to trust that team any longer. And that to me, that's where the separation, by the way, currently exists in the conference, and that's what this game is coming up on Monday night. Not to again the exact same level to the Dolphins losing to the Denver Broncos, who are just a bad team. Denver's bad. They're 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 almost awful. They can't throw the football. The running game. I mean, they don't give it to the right guy. Philip Lindsay is maybe their best, one of their best players on offense, and they keep handing the ball to Melvin Gordon because they just paid him and they feel like they have to. So they're not even the ground game, which they're supposed to be good at. They don't even give it to the right guy. They're not that good on the defensive side of the football. They do have injuries. Von Miller hasn't played this season. But, like, Denver doesn't do anything well. And Miami lost to them. Miami lost to them. And the Raiders this past week get blown out by the Atlanta Falcons. And just like that, you can't trust Miami. You can't trust Las Vegas. You can't trust either team. Both could be playoff teams. Both could surprise you. Like, the Raiders beat the Chiefs earlier this season, right? The Dolphins did beat the Rams and the Cardinals. Like, they are capable of beating good teams. But they're also capable of laying eggs. And that means, to me, you just can't trust them. And they're not legitimate threats. They're not legitimate contenders. They could make the playoffs, but that's going to be it. And the Bills are above that. And if you want to stay above that, you got to win the games that you should win. And I still want to qualify Monday night as... It's not Denver or Atlanta, but I still feel like at San Francisco is a game, if, if the Bills are trying to achieve what they're trying to this year, like that's a game you should win. You beat Nick Mullins. I don't care if it's on the road and everything else that's going on. Like You beat Nick Mullins. We're not talking about Mahomes. We're not talking about Russell Wilson. We're not talking about you know an elite quarterback. You're playing Nick Mullins. Win that game. Find a way to win that game. You have the better quarterback. Win that game. That's where the Bills need to get. They're starting to enter game after game after game where they have a quarterback advantage. It's where we wanted to get to. And then, now that you have that, you got to start putting teams down. And to me, that's what San Francisco is on Monday night. Don't if if you're the Bills, don't give me or fans any reason to not trust you. And winning the games you should win is the first step in doing that. That is why by the way, I might think of Pittsburgh a little bit higher than most because while most will see, well, an easy schedule they've beaten of their 11 wins, eight of them are against bad teams. I see that and think, all right, well, they haven't had a misstep. You can trust them to win games they should win. You know, eight wins against bad teams might be as valuable to determining what a team is as two or three wins against really good teams. You can at least you at least know they're better than those middle of the road teams like the Raiders and Dolphins, who have those just what 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 is going on today? You lost to who? The Bills also have not had that yet either. And that is why I think Buffalo and Pittsburgh are right there. And if the Bills are able to beat the 49ers, that's that's all next Sunday night will be about. This game against. The Niners, to me, it doesn't mean a lot for the division. But there's two things it does mean a lot for. One, it's what we're talking about going into Sunday night against the Steelers. Instead of, are the Dolphins really... Dolphins played Cincinnati, by the way. So maybe I shouldn't assume they're going to win, but they're very likely to win. Brandon Allen at quarterback. The Dolphins are at home. Like, come on, they should win that game. And let's say they do. If the Bills have a misstep against San Francisco, suddenly we're... Tied in the division race with Miami. And next week is now about beating Pittsburgh. We got to make sure we win the AFC East. And not about the larger goal, which is knocking off Kansas City. If you beat San Francisco, you're still a game up. Then that's what that week becomes. All right, who is the team that they have to be... That KC has to be worried about? That's one thing that this game Monday can lead to. And then the other reason it is important is playoff seeding might become important down the stretch here. And I mentioned this last night a little bit. If you're trying to avoid Kansas City, and I think, I think the Steelers have a shot at 16-0, but I think Kansas City ends up leapfrog- leapfrogging them for the number one seed. And if that happens, the Bills need to get out of the four. The Bills need to get out of the four to the two or the three. For seeding purposes – you want to be above Tennessee, and that way you're getting an easier opponent, at least by record. You know, right now, maybe that's not that big a difference. The difference between playing Cleveland at home or playing Miami at home. But also, it means if you end up playing the four seed down the road somehow, some way, then you also will have home field advantage in that game. So there are seeding implications on the line for the Bills as well. So Monday is not nothing. It is Nick Mullins, a quarterback, it's a team with a losing record. But it's a team that is in a playoff race that I think is still pretty good, is maybe harmed by a tougher schedule, being in top to bottom, the deepest division in football. And maybe they're getting slept on a little bit. And you're on the road. I guess they're on the road too, being in uh, Glendale, Arizona. But that's what Monday's game is to me. 803-0550 is the phone number. How worried are you about the 49ers? They also, I'll talk about this coming up next. I wanted to get to this. This game will be interesting to see what the Bills do stylistically or how they do against a run-heavy team like San Francisco because the AFC right now is littered with teams that are run first. We'll talk about that when we come back right after this on the Nightcap on WGR.
3: Smoked a huge part of our offense, so kind of adjusting on the fly. And, uh, you know, we got a bunch of young guys that can play, young guys that we want, like Gabe Davis. We asked a young guy to grow fast, you know, come out here, play fast, do your job. And he's been doing a great job all year. He's made some plays. We're going to look for him to make a lot more of them because I can see a lot of potential in him. That's just what the job calls for. You know, you don't want to get comfortable without a guy, but uh, we can't stop. The offense can't stop. We got to keep going and finding ways to win. Putting running backs out there and stuff like that, make them run some routes as well. But anything we got to do to win, of course, we're not going to get comfortable without John Brown. Hope he have a speedy coverage so he can come back soon, but uh, just, you know, next man up,
1: Monson. Bills wide receiver Stephon Diggs who is approaching 100 catches on the season. Approaching. He's not quite there yet. He is sitting at 80. Um, He will likely get there. I mean, that is an average of, what, five games. It's late. Four receptions a game. He's gonna get there. Oh, he, can get, he can get he can get in the next two three weeks. Honestly, we've seen Stephon Diggs go off. Uh, he has had two ten get he's had two ten catch game performances already this season. He has only had one game all season with less than six catches. So, yeah, he's gonna get to 100, and he'll be the first Bills wide receiver in a while to do that. I don't have that off the top of my head here. I would guess that Stevie Johnson is gonna be the last Bills wide receiver that. Um, they got to 100, but I'm not quite sure. He no, Stevie Johnson never got to 100 with the Bills. 82 was his high for the team. So I'll keep the I'll keep the look on for that. Let's go to the phone lines though. We're talking Bills, 49ers, and we're looking. A le- I'm looking ahead to, s- to Pittsburgh a little bit um, next Sunday. So if you want to talk about them, feel free. They're 11 0, one of the most interesting teams in the league to talk about. So feel free. It's the nightcap with Jody Biasi. 8030550 is the phone number. Let's go to Sean. You're on the nightcap. What's up?
2: Hey, what's up, Joe? I love listening to your show, listening to you with Shelby the Bulldog. Love your show at night. The nightcap's great. Thanks, man. I just want to touch on a couple of things before I get to the actual game. Uh, People, I I wish people would stop the narrative. I mean, across the country, not necessarily here in Buffalo. But I read an article about how Brian Dayball schemes, and it seems like he does the same thing Belichick did in past years, and he game plans specific schemes. I wish when Josh Allen only throws for 150 yards that people wouldn't lose their head over it. I lose my head over the mistakes he made, it's not necessarily how many yards he throws for. It's a little more cringeworthy to listen to them go down the field methodically and not put up a lot of points and win an ugly game where they had a few turnovers. I'll take that in a running game in the wintertime when it's going to be necessary in a place like Pittsburgh if that happens. As far as the game, uh, I'm probably going to get crucified for this. I'm a matchup guy. And there's certain teams that accurately I think the Bills just don't match up well with. The Ravens were one, even though they played them well last year,
1: the
2: mm-hmm. contain style. San Francisco runs the ball like nobody's business, and with with a lot of their people out, they run outside zone schemes that just crucify people. Bills run defense. They better come up with a different scheme this week. They, ha- they have linebackers that are a little... Uh, Light in the butt, I guess you could say, minus Edmonds. Yep. I just, I hope they, I hope they really get down the line, and decide to clog up because I think they run for over. It's my only my personal opinion. It's just a bad matchup for them. I don't think they end up any worse for the wear if they get beat by forty or ten this week by the Niners. I think it's a bad matchup for them, and I think they lose. Uh, but. I think they match up better well with other teams. I would rather play Pittsburgh in the playoffs 100 times over than in Kansas City than I would a Baltimore team that matches up huh. well physically. That, that's, Hang up and let you listen.
1: Yeah, th- thanks for the call, Sean. I mean, that is definitely, I would think, a skeething hot take uh, that you would rather play Baltimore than especially Kansas City. Maybe it's not crazy to prefer Baltimore over Pittsburgh. I, I would think that's crazy, but I think others would not. Yeah, no, the San Francisco matchup, Playing a run-heavy team like that, I, I teased it going into this segment. That is something we'd like to see the Bills do, right? You, wanna, you want to not get sucked into their style of game. You don't want to get sucked into a low-scoring affair where neither team is throwing the football all that well and it really comes down to in the trenches, running the ball, stopping the run, and winning 20-17. to 17. You know, it'd be nice... To see the Bills be able to win a game like that, I think that they could. I I would not prefer to have them in a game style like that. They kind of won that way last week against the Chargers. You mentioned Josh Allen only throws for 157 yards. The Bills won last week because the Chargers could not stop them in the ground game, and the Bills' defense played great. It was a very 2019-style win for the Bills. That's how they won last year, and that was good to see. But it was against a Chargers team that is notoriously only good at throwing the football. That's it. So they played that way last week and they won against a team that if you succeed that way, you should win. San Francisco is very similar to me to many teams the Bills could play come playoff time. The Browns, right now who they'd be matched up, they are a run-heavy team. They went on running the football, outside zone, defense. That's how they win. The Indianapolis Colts they're still in let's protect Philip Rivers at all costs. We're going to run the ball with Jonathan Taylor and Jordan Wilkins and Naheem Hines and we have maybe the best defense in the league. That's how the Colts win. Uh how about the Ravens? If the Ravens match up with the Bills, they are as run heavy as it gets in football. They do not let Lamar Jackson throw the ball more than 30 times unless they absolutely have to. And then the team above you in the Tennessee Titans, they're kind of similar. They if in their perfect world, they're winning the football they're winning the football game with Derrick Henry running all over their opponent. And can the Bills beat a team like that? So far, you know, like that Tennessee matchup earlier in the season. They got smoked. They got destroyed. It wasn't even close. So, yeah, a win against San Francisco would go a long way to, all right, yeah, we beat teams like this. We can beat teams like this. Because that is what San Francisco is. They are winning by running. But it's not, to me, it shouldn't be about playing, winning at their game. You know, running the ball with Zach Moss and Devin Singletary 20 times and throwing Josh Allen in for 10 rushes of his own and winning the way you did last week. No, no, no. Suck them into your game. Have Josh Allen go out there and light it up. Throw the ball 20 times to start a game. Get out ahead early. Make the Baltimores and the San Franciscos and the Clevelands and the Tennessees of the world. Make them play from behind all day. Make them throw the football. Because if you can play that way, then you're unstoppable. And that's what Kansas City is. Kansas City never has to play that way. They never have to play the bogged-down, run-style football game. Because nobody can catch them. And if you could be a poor man's version of that... To me, that's the best chance the Bills have of making a deep playoff run. But I do I like your point on San Francisco and the style they play. That will be interesting to see on Monday. Let's go to Rich. You're on the nightcap. What's up, Rich?
0: Sneaky Joe, love your nightcap show. Uh, Thanks, man. I agree with with Sean. I am very nervous about this game because of the following reasons. Um, Yes, we're going back to the House of Horrors and uh Frisco does need this game a little bit more in the Bills because they're in their division um Mostert, when he's healthy is a very scary running back. They got DeBold, they got Ayuk coming back and uh uh mm-hmm. Mr. Sherman is healthy now and uh, even though he's older and he's not the Seattle days but uh he's still compatible and I just uh this is a very scary game on uh Not paper. Looks like we should win, but it is still a scary game because they got enough weapons. Debo Samuel's all over the field, and he could be a threat, whether it's uh, reverses, screen passes, and like I said, Iuka's coming back. This could be a very scary game, and Frisco does need it a little bit more than us.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks for the call, Rich. They do. Um, I'm not big on this game means more to one team than the other, and they're going to have advantage because of that. Uh, I'm into more like the names you mentioned that they have on offense. Like Nick Mullins can get them the football and not turn it over. Debo Samuel. Brandon Ayuk, like those are two very good wide receivers, two good young wide receivers. And Mostert, Mostert is sneaky fast. He actually might be one of the fastest players in the league. In fact, he was charted this year by NFL next gen stats as having the fastest top speed uh, on a play that any player in the league has had in the last three, three or four years, I think. Like he said, he's fast, Raheem Mostert. So don't let him get into the open field. They've got guys, even without George Kittle in the lineup. They have guys on offense that can make you pay if you let them get in the open field. So even though it's an undrafted kid at quarterback that you know, I think a lot of people might roll their eyes when they hear, all right, Bill's playing Nick Mullins this week. He's just good enough with the weapons around him to where I wouldn't just discount, you know, I wouldn't just assume the Bill's defense is going to have a great day on Monday night. Let's go to Kevin. You're on the nightcap. What's up, Kevin?
3: Hey, how's it going, man? What's up, Kevin? Uh... So, with the point, of, you know, I'm not really too worried, right? So, I think we're gonna be able to put a lot of mismatches out there, uh, especially with, like, Garoppolo being out, Kittle. Kittle was probably, my my mind, the biggest threat, and, I mean, he's not gonna be there, so, I think the Bills gonna be able to keep it under, and if they're gonna try to run it, hopefully, Ed Oliver and uh, D-Line can kinda stuff them there. Uh, Mm-hmm. you guys saying earlier we can't we can't play into that game of the, trying to run I mean we gotta go let allen cook I mean that's we can't yes. try to run it because I mean we really don't in my opinion we don't have the not, I wouldn't say the skill set but that's, that's not the strong point of our offense yeah um, and defensively I really think we could uh, I think we could stop them and I don't think it should be too hard of a game on on Monday night.
1: Uh, Thanks for the call, Kevin. Uh, I would say let's keep letting, keep Josh cooking. That's what I would say. They've been letting him cook all season. The Bills throw the football adjusted for game script. They throw the football as much as anybody in the league, and that's perfect. It's right where you want to be. That was something that I was always worried about with this head coach. He was a defensive minded head coach that loved to talk about running the football, grinding games out, you know, playing great, strong defense, blue collar football. The words always had me worried about what style the Bills were going to play on offense. And the first couple of years, I mean, they kind of represented that. You know, they let Allen loose a little bit, but not like this. This year the Bills just showed up and they said, "You know what? We're just going to try to be Kansas City. We're going to try to be Kansas City." And they're not Kansas City, but they're 8 and 3. They're 8 and 3 and they're one of the best offenses in football. They're not the best offensive football, but they're one of them. And that's where you got to be. Completion percentage over expected is a stat that I follow from Ben Baldwin on Twitter. Um And that was an area that Allen was very low in before. Completion percentage over-expected. And that attributes drops. That attributes open wide receivers, easy throws. Brings everything into account there. And I'm looking at the chart right now. And it's funny. You look at a chart like this, it almost doesn't even matter what the stat is. But past years, it was like you would see the production from Allen, for instance. And... He would always be like, oh, yeah, we think he's taking steps, but then you see a chart, and he's like, eh, he's bottom left. You know, he's he's near the bottom of the league. So are my eyes deceiving me? Because with a guy that could throw the football like Allen and run the football like he does, you could easily get caught up in, yeah, maybe my eyes are deceiving me. But I'm looking at this right now, completion percentage over expected, and it's just a good feeling when you see an advanced stat like that and your guy is like right near the top of the list. Like, top right, which is where you want to be for this, like, it's Russell Wilson by a lot. Kirk Cousins, actually, interestingly, is right there. Cousins is having a great season. Uh, and then it's Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, and Josh Allen. They're all grouped together there above the Kyler Murrays of the world, the Derek Cars, Joe Burrow, Drew Brees, Baker Mayfield, Tom Brady, Jared Goff. That's how good he's been this year. And part of the reason is what you just said. They've let him cook. The Seahawks don't let Russ cook. That's why it's become it's become a trend this year to say, hey, Seahawks, let Russ cook. Because they haven't for a decade. Year three for the Bills, and they're letting Allen do it. And that's a good feeling. Let's go to Jonathan. You're on the nightcap. What's up, Jonathan?
0: Hey Joe. Um everyone's pretty much said what I was gonna say. I'm a little worried about San Francisco's running game and I think with all the injuries, it's going to be a little bit of a challenge for the Bills. But um, I really hope Josh Allen can. Find... One good thing is it does look like the last couple of weeks the uh, defense has been getting better. So I'm hoping that Josh Allen can find his way to get back to where he was the first four weeks of the season and the Seattle game. If those two things are clicking at the same time, the Bills could be very dangerous in January.
1: Thanks for the call, Jonathan. I had to pull up on Twitter that your comment there just made me think of that. That the NHL is still trying to figure out what they're going to do this season. Like, where they're going to play. Today, there's stories about them playing in outdoor games. I mean, holy cow. That league can't get it together right now. And I looked up the date of the Super Bowl. It's February 7th. And I have called the Bills this. I do think they're a team that can win the Super Bowl. I think the Chiefs should. I think the Bills can. The Steelers, I would say. They can. Tennessee, even. I would say They can. It's not good news for me because I have a bet with Mike Shope that Tannehill will never win a Super Bowl 20-1 to 1 odds. Regardless, the Bills are a team that can win the Super Bowl, I think. And the NHL can't get it together. No idea when they're going to play. Maybe February is where we're at right now. And I put a poll up. Who do you think is more likely to be playing first week of February? I think it actually, funny Funny enough, it's a legitimate question. Who's more likely to be playing first week of February. Bills or Sabres? Basically, you're you're deciding on what's more likely. The NHL getting their act together with labor negotiations that they never do. They're like one for ten all time in that category. Or, are the Bills going to get to Tampa? Are they going to win the AFC Championship game? And, you know... I'm I as I said, I think they can do it. I would not bet on them to do it unless you gave me the odds that come with it. And there's a chance that happens. There's definitely a chance that happens. That that like you're, Jonathan, you're right. They they're a team that has the capability of going on a run through January. You know, Joe Flacco going into that Super Bowl run he made with the Baltimore Ravens, one, he wasn't even playing as well as Josh Allen. But he had that in him and he did it. And that's all I've been thinking about when watching Allen's development this year and thinking about Kansas City and thinking about, like, is this team really a Super Bowl contender? It's, all right, even if I wouldn't pick them to do it, Like, remember remember that run Joe Flacco went on? Remember that four-game stretch that Joe Flacco put together? We really think Josh Allen couldn't do that? I mean, maybe there's a lot of quarterbacks that could put four games together like that. But I'm at a point where Allen's one of them. And if he were to have a four-game stretch like that, that's why I think they're a team that can win the Super Bowl. Their current odds to win the Super Bowl, by the way, are 2,200. I know that's not what I just mentioned, though. I mentioned, are they a team that can win the AFC Championship game? Right now, they have the third best odds. The Chiefs are plus 125, the Steelers are plus 250, then the Bills are third at plus 1,000. So you do get a huge drop-off after Pittsburgh to the Bills. Part of that, I would believe, though, is not just the betters and the odds, uh, the books, thinking that Pittsburgh is a better team than the Bills, but also they're being 11-0 and being three games ahead of the Bills and a game above the Chiefs. The Steelers' chances of not having to play wild card weekend and getting a first-round bye absolutely plays into that as well, especially with their having home field advantage throughout the playoffs. Like If the Bills see the Chiefs in the playoffs, it's going to be in Kansas City. Almost for sure. It's going to be in Kansas City. Pittsburgh, if they get Kansas City sometime in January, and it, it, there's a good chance, maybe even a great chance, it's in Pittsburgh. And that's a huge difference. So don't just hear that number and think, oh, well, the books just think the Steelers are five times better than the Bills. No, a lot of that is their current record, their likelihood for a first-round buy, and also their likelihood to have home field throughout the playoffs. Eight oh three oh five fifty is the phone number. We'll come back and wrap things up. Talk a little hockey. That report about outdoor games earlier and the start of the season. Are we at February? We'll talk about that when we come back to wrap things up on the nightcap with Joe DiBiasi. This is WGR. Welcome back to the nightcap. Last call on the nightcap. Joe DiBiasi here on WGR. He'll be off tomorrow. So you won't hear from me until next week after this segment. So let's talk some hockey while well, we got a minute. A couple of reports today. One from Greg Wasinski saying, hey, the league might be looking at a February start. That's what they're talking about in the league circles. You've also got a report from Elliot Friedman that four teams, the Penguins, Bruins, Kings, and Ducks, are all considering playing outdoors this season. Which that's, I mean... I guess it would be in 2021, but it's very 2020 of them to be playing outdoors, especially in Southern California, because that's definitely going to work. Um, that's a strange one. I don't know how you pull that off. I don't know how that makes any sense monetarily, the cost to to operate outdoor rinks consistently like that, and then... I mean, you are already playing a jam-packed schedule because you can't get your labor negotiations in order. So you're going to be on limited time to get this season in before July when you've got the Olympics and NBC won't have you on TV anymore. So you got to jam these games in, and you're going to now flirt with weather delays because, oh, hey, Sabres-Kings can't play tonight because there's a downpour in southern Los Angeles. It's probably not the city to use for that. I don't know if it ever rains there. How about Boston? Bill, Sabres and Bruins tonight. Postpone because of rain. Or it's too warm. Got to make it up another day. And, oh, Let's check the weather forecast. Let's see when the Sabres and Bruins can play. Uh, well, the Sabres got to be in Calgary on Friday or in um, a team in the U.S. probably is better for that. Dallas on Sunday. So, well, we, can, we have to work it in by Friday. It's raining. Like So much more comes into play. It's so stupid. Doesn't make any sense at all terrible idea. The only thing that that makes sense for is if the league is trying to grab money in every corner that they can find it and they're trying to get, you know, a couple thousand fans in those stadiums for those games. I would imagine it's easier with all of these restrictions around the country to get fans into an open air stadium than it would be to get them indoors to an arena. So, that would be my thought on that. And then the February start, I mean, just start the start the sport already Get it going. The NHL is putting it off because they want money back from the players. I mean, you are a billion-dollar corporation. Get your product on the ice. And Gary Bettman, I mean, he's got to have every last cent. Why is it the NBA never has these issues? The NFL never has these issues. Bettman, I mean, he's chasing 3,000 games lost. To labor negotiations, to labor issues, and I mean, it, it's like the only league in sports where you really see this consistently. Baseball, you see it too, but when's the last time they lost games? Was it '95? It's been a while. And the NHL's working on their third time since then that they'll do it. It's it, utterly ridiculous. I can't wait until the World Juniors. By the way, Christmas Day that begins. So if you're if you're looking to get your hockey fix on World Juniors, is coming in about three weeks. So that'll be nice to have that a little bit. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening tonight. Thanks, everybody, for listening throughout the week. I, as I said, will not be here tomorrow, so I will be back with you next week on Tuesday night following the Bills and the 49ers. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy Monday Night Football, and I will talk to you next week. This has been the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase. This is WGR.